Welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the five greatest free agent signings in 49ers history, as well as the five worst. But before we do, let me remind you that if you're watching on YouTube, to make sure you hit that subscribe button. And then after you do that, hit the little bell so that you get notified whenever we put anything out. So then the other thing that we want you to do uh, right now, if you're listening to this, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify or wherever, we want you to not only follow us and, and re review us, but, but give us a, a rating, tell people about what we're doing here so that we can reach more 49ers fans. That's what we're about, doing what we can to get the news out to get out opinions, to start conversation, and just to have a lot of fun with talking 49ers. So enough for the commercials. Let's get in to the talk about the greatest free agents in 49ers history and also the worst. We are a couple of weeks into the free agency period, into the offseason. The 49ers have signed some and lost some. Of course, the biggest one that they've signed has been uh, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. It remains to be seen at this point how he's going to do. If he's anything in San Francisco like he was in Philadelphia, then he's going to end up being on this list someday as, as one of the greatest free agent signings in 49ers history. But before that happens, he's got to play, he's got to produce, and so we'll see how that goes. But it is going to be fun just to take a quick look today at the five greatest signings in 49ers history, free agent signings, and then also the five worst. So let's jump right into it. The number one, the, the greatest free agent signing in 49ers history has to be Deion Sanders. In 1994, the 49ers signed Deion Sanders, who the previous years had been with the Atlanta Falcons. Deion's highlight um, for in his 94 season, which was the only season he played in San Francisco, was a 93-yard interception return for a touchdown off of a Jeff George pass in Atlanta against his old team. And the whole time that he's running down the sideline, you've seen it. If you didn't see it live, you've seen the video, I'm sure. He's talking to, he's talking to the Falcons players as he's running down the uh, the sideline. And then he started high-stepping probably 10 or 20 yards away from the end zone. It was a classic moment in 49ers history and, and showed why Dion was Dion. Uh, but the thing that makes him so great is that he, he not only was the greatest 49ers cornerback, but the greatest cornerback in NFL history as far as coverage corner. And so this, this is one of the reasons why he's the best free agent signing ever. It's what he brought to the team on the field. He picked off six passes that season in 94. He returned three of them for touchdowns for over 300 yards uh, in interception returns, not, not just on those three touchdowns, but uh, with the six. He was the defensive player of the year that season. But not only did he bring a lot on the field, he brought a lot to the team and swagger and confidence. The 49ers during that time were a very business type team. They were, you know, buttoned up and and just the way that they handled things was things was very classy, very 
um, cool, very uh, professional, business-like. And so Dion brought uh, some 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 dance, some some swagger, some some confidence that even though they were confident, they didn't show it. Like he brought some showboat to uh, some arrogance to the team. And I feel like in 94, they needed it because they had been knocked out of the playoffs the previous two years by the Dallas Cowboys. And they struggled to, to, to get over that hump. In fact, in one of those seasons, I think it was the 93 season, they played the Cowboys and lost that game in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, uh, in the NFC Championship game that season, just got dismantled. And so this was the, the game that, uh, if you've heard the story that Carmen Policy has told about Eddie DeBartolo uh, in the elevator saying, we're never going to get embarrassed like that again, or something to that effect. And so they went out and signed a lot of free agents. And Deion Sanders was one of them. And just what he brought to the team and the ability to get over that hump. I remember after the, when they played the Cowboys in the 94 season, I remember hearing Jimmy Johnson say that his players, like Michael Irvin, some of those guys were in awe of Dion in that game, that they just couldn't believe how good he was. And this was during the regular season. So he brought a lot uh, to the table that season. And of course, the 49ers won the Super Bowl. So Dion is the number one. Number two is Justin Smith. Justin Smith signed with the 49ers in 2008 uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. He, that's where he had been playing uh, his previous uh, years. His 49er highlight would, in, in my opinion, is when he pushed Pro Bowl tackle Jermon Bushrod back like he was on roller skates and then reached out with one hand and grabbed Drew, uh, Drew Brees to force a bad throw in the fourth quarter of the 2011 NFC divisional playoff win over the Saints. In that game and the in the following following week in the NFC Championship against the Giants, Justin Smith was practically unblockable. He was a beast in those games and he became a 49ers legend that season. Not only did he did he dominate, can't get the words out today. Not only did he dominate in 2011 the postseason but he was a tone setter for Vic, Vic Fangio's defense and probably for the entire team. Players looked up to him. They respected him. If you'll recall from stories, he would show up in the off seasons and he would bring some of the players with him to do workouts, planned workouts, not by the team, but by Smith. And so he set an example on how you're supposed to play. And he continued that way and, and it rubbed off on his teammates. There was this one play, though, that also I, I think helped solidify his legacy even before the 2011 playoffs. That season in Philadelphia, when the 49ers were playing the supposed uh, dream team, as the, as the Eagles were calling themselves, and there was this point late in the game where the Eagles were going to run out the clock, and Jeremy Macklin had the ball, and and Justin Smith actually chased down this fast receiver, poked the ball out. Macklin fumbled. The 49ers re recovered and and were able to uh, to win that game. And so they they were down by a lot at halftime. I, I don't remember like three scores, uh, something like that. And so uh, it uh, 
wasn't looking good, but Justin Smith and the, and the guys came back. So to me, Justin Smith, they called him cowboy and uh, the guy from Missouri, I think he still lives on a ranch in Missouri or something like that. Uh, but he is a legend uh, with the 49ers. So he's the second uh, best free agent signing that the 49ers have ever made. The third is Ken Norton Jr. So again, the 49ers signed Deion Sanders in 94 to help them get over the hump in beating the Cowboys. And Ken Norton Jr. was one of the other ones. His 49ers highlight was in beating the Cowboys twice that season. And what I remember about him is that he just really brought a lot of toughness and a lot of attitude. And in addition to being a great player, he just brought this because the 49ers defense before 94 were getting pushed around. Their offense was elite, but their defense would get pushed around. And so Norton brought some immediate toughness and some immediate respect uh, that maybe they didn't have before that. I can remember in uh, 94 when they played the, the, the Cowboys in both games uh, in the regular season and in the NFC Championship game, he'd be getting in the face of his former teammates and letting them hear about it and letting them have it. And, and I just loved what he brought to the team. There was this play in 95, I think, where he picked off the quarterback. And I can't think of who the quarterback uh, of the St. Louis Rams was at that time. Uh, but but Norton picked him off twice, ran both back for touchdowns, and then started just pummeling the goalposts in honor of his dad, the boxer, Ken Norton Sr. And so what a great pickup for the 49ers. In 94, he helped the 49ers get past the Cowboys and win their fifth Super Bowl. It was Ken Norton Jr.'s third consecutive Super Bowl. That had never been done before. No one had ever won three straight. And I don't know if that's even happened since then, but that was a huge accomplishment for Ken Norton Jr. and for uh, uh, for everything that he did. But he brought a lot. Great pickup by the 49ers. I still remember where I was at. I was watching uh, SportsCenter on ESPN when I heard about that, and I thought this was a huge signing. It was early in the summer, uh, like in June or something like that, because I was at a buddy's house and and I uh, still remember where I was when I heard that. And I remember my, my friend saying, oh, man, this, this, this might put you guys over the top. You might beat the Cowboys next season. And that was before they started bringing in some of the others. And then Dion, they brought in like August or something like that. Uh, gosh, maybe it, or it was after baseball season. I can't remember. Uh, but Dion wasn't on the team at the very beginning of that uh, that season. He came in maybe a few games in, but Ken Norton Jr., a great signing. Number four is Tim McDonald, also on that 94 Super Bowl team. McDonald came in 93. Uh, he had been with the Arizona Cardinals. His 49ers highlight would be his 1998 season. He had 15 pass breakups to go along with four sacks and four interceptions. McDonald was the very first unrestricted free agent that the 49ers had signed. Uh, and so that's kind of a, kind of a cool aside there, but he helped stabilize, stabilize a 49er secondary that was not very good in uh, 1993. They, like I said, their, their defense got pushed around. They got thrown on a lot 
And so Tim McDonald came in in 93 um, and helped get that secondary to be a little bit better. The defense still wasn't great. They were, they were good, but they weren't great. They, they couldn't stop the Cowboys, couldn't get past them. Uh, but McDonald definitely made that secondary better. And so, of course, the next season when that secondary added Deion Sanders, that uh, that was enough to put him over the top. So, so he was a pro bowler. Uh, here's, here's an interesting thing. He started 11, 111 games in San Francisco out of a possible 112. So he only missed one game in all of the years that he played in San Francisco. So he was Mr. Reliable for sure. Another great pickup. Number five is Jeff Garcia. Now, a lot of 49ers fans didn't like Garcia, wanted to upgrade from him. And yeah, he his, his arm wasn't the best. But in 1999, they signed him out of the, uh, from the, Calgary Stampeders. So he wasn't even in the NFL, but he was Bill Walsh's hand-picked quarterback in 1999. His 49ers highlight was leading the 49ers back from a 24-point third-quarter deficit in the 2002 NFC wildcard game. Still is the the biggest uh, for the 49ers, the biggest comeback in 49ers playoff history. Uh, and Jeff Garcia was was part of that. So he was supposed to be the backup to Steve Young. The plan was that he was going to be Young's backup, that Young would play for a few more years, and then when he retired, then maybe Garcia would become the uh, starting quarterback. But as we're going to talk about here in a minute, when we get to the worst free agent signings, uh, it didn't work out that way because Steve Young was injured and his career ended. And so Garcia got thrown into the fire in 1999. The 49ers finished 4-12, and and so it didn't look real positive, but he bounced back and he made three straight Pro Bowls. Uh, so think about that. You had Joe Montana, who won four Super Bowls. He was followed by Steve Young, another Hall of Famer, who won a Super Bowl. And then Young was followed by uh, a three-time Pro Bowl winner in Garcia. So... But he had, he had a lot to live up to. I mean, we all know how, how Steve Young had to deal with being uh, the, the, uh, the heir apparent to Joe Montana. So imagine Jeff Garcia. He's not only following Steve Young, but he's following Joe Montana as well. So had to be hard. But for all of his flaws, the 49ers haven't had a Pro Bowl quarterback since Garcia in 2002. So that's a big deal. I mean, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback, but it's been since 2002 since they had a Pro Bowl quarterback. Some of you are listening to this and you weren't even born yet. And so you've never had a Pro Bowl quarterback, but there was a time that the 49ers had them every single year. And Garcia was one of those. So great signing by Bill Walsh. He liked what he saw. He believed in him. And Garcia became uh, a great quarterback for Steve Mariucci. So those are the five greatest free agent signings in 49ers history. Deion Sanders, Justin Smith, Ken Norton Jr., Tim McDonald, and Jeff Garcia. Those are my five. What are your five? 
jump in that comment section and tell me what your five are, uh, who I left out. So let's let's get to the five worst free agent signings in 49ers history. And there have been some bad ones, but I'm going to give you my five. And again, if I leave somebody out or if there's somebody that you think of, then add that to the uh, to the chat uh, or, or in the comment section, wherever you're watching, or wherever you're listening. Um, just jump in and, and tell us about that. So, so here's my number one worst free agent signing. That would be Mr. Lawrence Phillips. Talked about him a little bit last week um, when I did uh, a, a different podcast ranking the the five worst 49ers decisions uh, in, in team history. He was, uh, or, or the 10 worst actually, he wasn't part of the 10, but he did make the honorable mention. So uh, so I'm going to highlight him again. Lawrence Phillips. They signed him in 1999. He had been with the St. Louis Rams. His 49ers highlight was scoring a uh, on a 68-yard touchdown run against the Arizona Cardinals on a Monday night to put the game away. Unfortunately, earlier in that game, he missed a block when Aeneas Williams of the Arizona Cardinals blitzed Steve Young and uh, Lawrence Phillips missed that block. Young was hit in the head, went down with a concussion and never played again. Uh, you probably know that story. Lawrence Phillips uh, was cut later that season, not because of that, but he was cut because reportedly he refused to practice. So <laughs> I guess the 49ers said, look, if you're not going to practice, you're not any good. And if you're not going to practice, then you're not going to get any better. So they, they cut him. Phillips was a great college running back. He was a lousy person, but he was a great college running back. He also was a terrible running back in the NFL. But as I mentioned already, he was an even worse person. He ended up in prison uh, after his short playing career. Uh, he had too many too many assault violations to, to name, and almost all of them were against women. So he's a, just a terrible person, liked to hit women. And while he was in prison, he murdered his cellmate in 2015. And then a year later in 2016, committed suicide. So it was a sad end to a really troubled life. But he was a terrible NFL running back, an even worse person. And the 49ers should never have had anything to do with him, not only because he can't pick up a blitzing corner, but the fact that he just was was not a good person. Uh, it's it's hard to root for people like that. And so uh, I'm glad that he was only on the team for less than a season, but I just hate that uh, uh, that his missing of a block cost Steve Young maybe a, a few years on his career. Uh, and, and I hate that that things ended the way they did for uh, for Phillips. Uh, so so he's my first worst uh, free agent signing in 49ers history. The second one is Jonas Jennings. Jonas Jennings, who 49ers fans uh, lovingly referred to as Glass Jennings because he was uh, so easily broken, uh, was signed in 2005. He had been with the Buffalo Bills and he was, uh, I, <laughs> I wrote this article for 49ers Web Zone. And, um, and so when I, I, I did the 49ers highlight for each player and on Jonas Jennings, the on, under 49ers highlight, I wrote none <laughs> because he didn't play enough. He, he was barely there. So here was their plan. 
he was a big name free agent uh, signing, a lot of money. He was signed, uh, he was an offensive tackle, and he was signed the same offseason that the 49ers uh, drafted Alex Smith and Frank Gore. So, so Jonas Jennings was supposed to be the, the left tackle who was going to protect Alex Smith's blind side. And he was the left tackle who was supposed to be opening holes for Frank Gore for years to come. But that didn't happen because he was always hurt. That's why he was called Glass Jennings. Jennings, uh, while he was on the team, the 49ers played in 64 games. Of those 64, he missed 41 of them. So he was barely in those seasons that he was with the 49ers, barely even on the field. And so just a horrible, horrible signing, uh, Jonas Jennings. The third is Gabe Wilkins. And some of you, if if you're younger, you're not going to have any idea who this guy is. If you're older, then you will know his name, but you might have forgotten. And now you're going to be sick to your stomach because in 1998, the 49ers signed uh, a defensive tackle from the Green Bay Packers. Gabe Wilkins was his name. His 49ers highlight was one quarterback sack in the season of 1999. So Wilkins was supposed to be a huge addition to the 49ers defensive front. This was in a time where they were starting to get older as a team and going to be losing some players to retirement or players that that they were ultimately going to have to be cutting because uh, of, of the salary cap and things like that. And so they paid a lot of money for this guy. Five years, 20 million, which today is nothing, but back then it was a lot of money to pay a defensive tackle. And so, and he was a young defensive tackle. He hadn't been around for a long time, but he, in 1998, his first season with the 49ers, he started only four games. He was injured a lot, only played in the four games. In 1999, he started in 15 games, but he was a non-factor in all of those games in which he played. So he retired at the end, end of the 1999 season. So they signed him to a big five-year contract and only had him for two seasons. And in those two seasons, he played 19 games. So just a terrible uh, pick. That was probably the first bad 49ers pick that I can remember. I mean, as I talked last week in the worst, uh, the 10 worst decisions in 49ers history, trading Charles Haley to the Cowboys was the, the worst decision ever. But this was the first time that I really remember the 49ers swinging and missing on a free agent. I'm sure there were others, but it's just that Gabe Wilkins cost so much that uh, it, it just made it a lot worse. So number three, wait, no, this is number, this is number three. Yeah, this is, no, this is number four. Sorry, <laughs> bad at math. I can't count. So number four is Antonio Langham. So not only did they swing and miss on Gabe Wilkins in 1998, they swung and missed on another defensive player in 1998. Antonio Langham, they brought in in, in 98. He had been with the Baltimore Ravens and was supposed to be a, a big-time corner that was going to be the, 
the the Rod Woodson type that was going to shut guys down, you know, that kind of corner that we all want to see our team sign. His 49ers highlight was one interception in his 49ers career. One interception. He was brought in, uh, as I said, the same offseason as Wilkins, supposed to be the the top, uh, one of the top corners uh, in the NFL. Uh, he started only six games with the 49ers. Big name free agent, six games. Uh, he played in only 11 in his 49ers career, uh, but he only play or only started in six. Now get this in his first four games as a 49er, he was called for five pass interference penalties. So he was called for almost as many pass interference penalties as his, as starts he had in San Francisco. So just, uh, if you remember in 1990 or, uh, in 2021, two seasons ago, the 49ers brought in a, an old veteran cornerback who uh, I, I won't name his name, but all he did was commit uh, pass interference penalties. So Antonio Langham, six games or six starts, 11 games, and five PIs in his first four 49ers games. Horrible pick. They, they are horrible uh, tr- uh, signing. Uh, I, I can't get anything right today. Horrible free agent signing. Uh, he, he was, he was going to be the lockdown guy for years and he didn't even play. I mean, he only played in 11 games. Uh, so he didn't even make it out of his first season with the 49ers. So the last one, number five on the worst list is cornerback Nate Clements from uh, the Buffalo Bills. They brought him in in 2007. Uh, his 49ers highlight came in 2010 when he had uh, three interceptions, 10 passes defended, one sack, and three forced fumbles. Unfortunately, one of his interceptions, which looked like it was going to be a game winner against the Falcons, uh, he fumbled back to the Falcons, and then the Falcons ended up winning the game. So even when Nate Clements had a good season, he still had this play that cost the 49ers a game. It looked like he was going to be the hero, and then he ended up not and uh, giving the game back. Now, Nate, Com- Nate Clements wasn't actually a terrible player with the 49ers. So you might be thinking, why does he belong on this list? Because Antonio Langham was terrible. Gabe Wilkins was terrible. Lawrence Phillips was terrible. Jonas Jennings was terrible. These guys barely even played. Nate Clements was actually a a durable and solid player. I mean, uh, in his four seasons that he played for the 49ers, he played in almost every game except in 2009. So he was very durable. He was always there. But the reason that I put him on this list is the contract. The 49ers signed him to an enormous eight-year, $80 million contract uh, that was a huge contract in 2007. The contract, which made uh, Clements one of the highest paid defensive players in NFL history, is why he's on this list. So 
Think about that, that they brought this guy in. They're a, a, re, a rebuilding team in 2007. They're two seasons in to Alex Smith and Frank Gore, two seasons in to Mike Nolan as the head coach. They haven't had a winning season since 2002. They haven't had a Pro Bowl quarterback since 2002. This was a bad team, but Scott McLuhan was doing a really good job in building the team back up. And so, you know, I, I understood the reason that you would want to sign a guy like this, but to sign him for eight years, eight years is a long time. And then an $80 million contract. So 10 million now corners get a lot more than that. These days, a good corner is going to get, uh, you know, close to twice that not, not quite, but he, he really got paid a lot. And so, it just was that he never lived up to that contract. And so it's hard to blame a guy. If somebody's going to pay me eight, uh, $80 million over an eight-year period, of course, I'm going to do it. But I also have to live up to that uh, that billing. And he never did that. And so that was the problem. And that's why Nate, Nate Clements made it onto this list. So those are the five greatest free agent signings in 49ers history and the five worst. Tell me what yours are. Uh, I'm interested to know what you think that I left out. And hopefully the 49ers have some great ones coming up. Hopefully Javon Hargrave turns out to be on the great list and, and hopefully not on the terrible list. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and to tell all of your friends and family. Just send a text and an email out to everybody that you know and put it on social media and let us know where, uh, let them know where we're at because we'd love to talk 49ers with.